Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Welcome to Skylines, the City Metric podcast. I'm John. You know, a few weeks ago, we did we did a, a, an episode about the tube because you know, obviously, we, we often love, we love the tube around here because you know, it's our, our version of clickbait. Other sites have kittens or boobs. We have tube maps. Uh, but for, for that episode, uh, my colleague Stephen joined me so we could have an argument about which were the best lines, and people seem to enjoy that. So I'm now joined by a very special guest to argue some more London money. Shall I? It's Mr. Stephen Bush again. Hello, Stephen. Hello. I think you should get that printed on like a slogan by your desk. It's our clickbait. Other people have like boobs and kittens. I have tube maps. Like I think you should just lean into your like, <laughs> does, like pretending like a, you're like a newspaper editor in the eighties. It makes it sound like a medical problem, though. Isn't it? It's like other people have boobs. I have tube maps. Anyway, so I figured what we do, what we do this time, just in, in the hunt for sort of quite a spurious thing we'd argue about, is something that seems to also seems to work as clickbait for us. It's stuff around definitions of cities. And where the city stops and something else begins, you know, suburbia or exurbs or whatever you want to call it. So you and I, you and I both grew up in, in East London on some definitions, right? I mean, I definitely grew up in East London by every definition. I you, you do, yeah, this is what I'm getting yeah. at. You grew up in proper East London that yeah. nobody is going to, like you grew up in the sort of place that, because you know, the East End is not really, like people talk about the East End as if it's much bigger than it actually is. Yeah, well, it's the thing. So I would, because I would say I lived in the actual East End, which I, I think, think did, at yeah. the at most you could say extended possibly as far as Stratford. No, but I would say it ends at Bow. I think the historic definition of the East End was really just. I mean, it's literally the bit to the immediate east of the city. So it's like you know, Shoreditch, Whitechapel, Wapping. Even by the time you get into the Isle of Dogs, you're kind of out the East End. No, Isle of Dogs is Isle of Dogs. It's a different place yeah, entirely. Yeah. But um, you grew up in proper East London, didn't you? Yes. Whereas I grew up in uh, what what one may term East, 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 East London, where you're still technically inside the city boundaries. You get to vote for the mayor. You've got the tube. You're getting crossrail soon. You've got London buses and the Metropolitan there Police. Are to Havering? It's the district line. Oh, yeah. like, But isn't it what, like Hornchurch? Yeah. Hornchurch, that's, that's in Havering. Yeah, but it's not really in London. I mean, it's, just, it's marginal. We're in a circular argument here now. If you're saying like, you know, how there there can't be tubes there. It's not in London. There are tubes. Oh, they don't count because it's not in London. This is not really like. I don't understand. When have I ever had an opinion about transport, either for Skylines or for City Metric, 
which is based in anything other than my feelings about my hometown. I mean, like, can, if anyone can name one where I've had a consistent argument, I am happy to disavow that opinion. It's cute that you think anyone remembers your opinions on any of this stuff. But so, okay, what, what, so, so I figure the question we get into is, where does London end? Where do you think is the sort of furthest outpost of somewhere you would actually think of as London before you get to something else? Well, I mean, it's interesting because on on the one hand, it's not really interesting, is it? On the one hand, you know, kind of the end of of the tube lines, you know, the kind of furthest out. So the, but of course, that doesn't quite work because Chesham's obviously not in London, right? The the end of the Metropolitan Line is 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 quite clearly past the line. I think you know, Hillingdon at one point they were trying probably, to, they were seriously talking about extending the Metropolitan Line to Manchester. You know, that was a thing. In, like, the 19th century? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is, like, really a long way back. Yeah, like... But at one point they were talking about it running from Manchester to Paris, which would have been... Oh, that would be... That's, like, a great steampunk novel. I mean, that would be... I mean, that would be awesome, don't get me wrong, but I think at that point you're really stretching the definition of of, uh, the metropolis. That is the wonderful thing about the Piccadilly line, though, is it's so international. You're like, I can go to an airport here. I can get up at King's Cross and straight onto a platform to Brussels. I've just noticed you're dressed as the Piccadilly line today. I'm wearing a natty shade of purple, it's true. You're wearing purple, blue, it's dark blue. You're wearing a, a blue suit because you're a Tory, is basically what's going on there. Because I'm stylish. Um, yeah, so I think... So the interesting thing about this exercise is I, I did some preparation for it, which was a novel experience for me. And the thing I found slightly slight to my surprise is that I realise my psychological map of where London ends is actually tilt slightly further south than I thought it would. Okay. I, I, I would describe Croydon as unquestionably being in London. Um, you don't think it's the rightful capital of Surrey? No, I think Croydon is is it, it just it feels like a village that has been swallowed by London uh, in the same way than Stoke Newington or Bow or Whitechapel does. Yeah, it obviously has its own centre, but it clearly inclines sort of emotionally, as it were, in terms of its shape, its attitude towards London. Right, mm-hmm. whereas. The reason why I'm more dubious about Hillingdon and Havering on the kind of east and west, respectively, right, is one, I mean, there's an awful lot of what can really only be described as forest in both of those places. And two, so many people in Havering believe they've rejected London by oh, yeah, by yeah. moving there. So it's one of those things where, like, how can somewhere be... I know that, like, Hexit is probably not going to happen. Oh, it's not. No, it got voted down. No. Oh, sorry, to be clear, Hexit was... The UKIP contingent on Havering Borough Council, which is, um, I think it's the second largest party. But it's, there's, there's quite a lot of them, haven't anyway. But they, they, one of them put forward a proposal to bring Havering out of Greater London and take back control of its own services, uh, which was rejected by the Conservatives who dominate Havering Council, ironically for the same reason that the pro-Remainers reject the idea of leaving the European Union. It's just like, basically, it makes no sense. We've pulled all these things. We're very closely connected, even though we have no particular cultural affinity with the rest of London. There is no administrative sense in this coming out of it, which is exactly the argument that the Remain campaign failed to make wash in June 2016. It's true. I mean, I think if we had a land border with, you know, France probably would have found it easy. Yeah, but it is very, it's a very, it thinks of itself as Essex for the most part. Yeah. And that, that may change when Crossrail arrives because suddenly we'll, we'll probably get people moving out there because it's relatively cheap housing. 
and there'll be fast trains to the West End and so on. Uh, but at the moment, it's kind of one of the least Londony London boroughs. It did vote Leave very strongly, in fact. Yeah, I mean, so I think, yeah, but the difference is, like, Barking and Dagenham voted to Leave, right? Yeah. Barking and Dagenham is basically a northern industrial town that happens to have been dropped in East London. No, but Barking and Dagenham is properly in the East End. It's not, though. It's not it really. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's part of... It, it just is. Barkingham Dagenham is, is a, a genuine London borough. I, 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 okay, I think you actually need to split it in two, because I think Barking is quite London in a way Dagenham isn't. What, what I'm really getting at here is... Barking is, is a bit more diverse. But I don't, Dagenham is very, very white, same as Hover. Yeah, but so is Richmond on Thames, right? But Richmond is still London. It's a very different flavour of London, but it's... it's it, you're, I mean, I presume you're counting Richmond as, as, as London, right? Well, I don't I think Richmond's an interesting counterexample because Richmond is clearly... I mean, you go there, it does kind of feel like one of those little Thames Valley resort towns because, you know, once upon a time it was. It's at the end of the tube line, the longer-distance trains don't really go anywhere. It does kind of feel like its own little place, independently of, of London in a way that a lot of places in Zone 4 probably don't. But I struggle to explain why that is. Isn't it just that it's got, like, a really good high street? It's probably that it's got lots of parks. It's probably... Yeah, and it's, I think the thing is, then, the less you have to leave somewhere, the and also, perverse, I guess, the harder it is to... I mean, so, you know, like, if you, if you take Hackney, for example, you know, the neighbouring boroughs are the one I grew up in, one I spent a lot of time as, as a in as a teenager, and the one I live in now. Because weirdly, when I was growing up, large chunks of that bit of East London didn't have a cinema, so you were all pulled towards Islington and its three cinemas, sort of by a kind of natural process. I think some places, even the bits which haven't gentrified, feel more villagey because you actually don't have to leave in the same way. Because now you've got like a park, a cinema. Yeah, when Hackney Central. Yeah, just in general. I mean, obviously, the cinema in Hackney Central is awful, but um, it's weird. They just talk for ages. I don't understand what it is about, like, hip, gentrified hipsters, but they, it's like no one... I just think people aren't worried that someone's going to, like, punch them if they don't shut the hell up in the Hackney Picture House, and that is why it's the worst cinema in London. Have you considered punching them to see if they shut the hell up? Have yeah. you tried this I strategy? haven't, like, won a fight since 2001, so I don't think I'm going to... You won a fight in 2001? Yeah. How? I was rangy. Were you quite big for your age? Yeah, I've always been quite big for my age. Yeah. I don't think I've ever won a fight in my life. I've only been in two or three of them. But I remember at one point someone pushed me up against the wall and punched me really hard in the face. And I remember this very clearly because the day before my 16th birthday. If you successfully run away, that's all 16th October 1997, this guy punched me in the face. I was quite upset because like, my mouth was bleeding and I had to go home and do some GCSE history coursework. And it was a very traumatic experience. But I dealt with it by great, with great dignity by just kind of looked down at the blood streaming off the bottom of my face, looked back up at the guy and said very firmly, Did you just hit me? And he just kind of shook his head and walked away. I mean, I... I think I have... I, I won the moral victory there. Okay. Um, but, so, yeah... It was better when Stephanie was here. She'd pretend to laugh at these anecdotes. She just kind of stared at me. I'm sorry, I, was, I just was waiting for the punchline. That wasn't even a pun. Uh, it would have been a good one if it was, but it wasn't. Um, I, I just thought you had, had more to come. I'm no, sorry. no, Ste- Stephanie pretended to find my stories um, funny. Because I think the interesting question is, right, how is, is, is we're trying to work out which ones are, because I am at 
some point going to write a piece for you on like what makes a good station terminus, right? And the joy of the district line and the Piccadilly and um, the Metropolitan on its outward end, obviously you don't get this effect in Allgate, is a good terminus. When you get up out of it, you should look around and be and feel like, oh God, I've come too far. You should have a feeling that you're on the edge of something, right? And that is the slight disappointment of both Brixton and Waltham so central. Like, neither of them really give you a feeling that you're on the edge of the world. But I don't think you get that with Upminster either. And, that, like, Upminster is very definitely, like, it's the very, very edge of London. Like, the, there's, there's the, the city boundary and the M25 are both about, you know, half a mile beyond that station. But it doesn't feel like you're falling off the edge of the world in the same way you get with... Uh, I don't know, Epping or even Uxbridge. Mm, Actually, I think partly it might just be because, like, the line literally does continue. I think it's like you kind of, like, even if the district line stops, you've still got trains nipping out to South End. Well, that's the weird thing about um, both Upminster and Richmond. They aren't endings. They're the end of a tube, but in both of them, you can cross the platform and get on a yeah. a proper train. So they're... But not that proper, because they're still, like... South End is the furthest you can get from Upminster, uh, or what do you call it? Uh, Reading is the furthest you can get from Richmond, both of which are kind of in the commuter zone. So this brings us to our, like, there are three ways of defining a city, officially. Like, you have your, your official city boundary, then you've got your urban built-up area, and then you've got the metropolitan area, which is the commuter zone, which is kind of the economic footprint of the city. And What's the one that centres for city use? Uh, well, I mean, there's more. Those are kind of the three academic ones. The centre of the cities uses uh, primary urban areas, which is kind of it's kind of urban wow. areas, but it's the se- it's the it's the actual um, council boundaries that kind of fit the urban areas best. So it's just because otherwise you can't get statistics about. Right. So is it pure or pa? P- P-U-A. Pua. I, do, I don't think we I don't think we pronounce it as a word. It's just I'm going to call it pua. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. But anyway, the point I was getting to is that Southend and Reading are both still kind of in the metropolitan area of London. Like, although they're both like pretty big settlements in their own right, they're places that function largely as commuter towns for the big city. So it's not like... I don't know Watford, where you where there are trains that go right to the other end of the country or something. You're still kind of in the same system. Okay, but uh, for uh, our first um, wedding anniversary, my partner and I went to the Bell in Horndon, which is a very nice, like, foodie pub for a weekend. 
you know, just a very nice kind of hotel doing like fancy food. The one in Essex? Yeah. The one one stop beyond Dutminster that yeah. my mum won't stop going on about. It's really good. Oh, okay. Seriously. It, like, it's great. Great food. Great service. It's really good. Um, the amount of effort I've had to put into not going to Essex country pubs with my mum and her partner. It's so nice. The food is really good. It's just lovely. I really strongly recommend it. But my point is, right, is that when we went away to this and my partner was like, where is it? And she was like, I was like South End. She was a bit like, we're going to South End. And I was like, I have a lot of great memories of South End. Don't slag it off. And it's also, not it's South near, End. It's nowhere near South it's End. Near, well, it, that was like the nearest station that we had to get to. But my point is, is right. Isn't if I said to you, where am I going this weekend, South End, you would kind of accept that I was going somewhere outside of London. Whereas if I was like, oh, I'm going away, I'm going to Hillingdon, you'd just be like, no, you're not going away. You're just bizarrely going to a weird London outskirt. See, I'm not sure I would accept South End as going away, but I think that's because I grew up at that end of London. So it's still kind of like my, my worldview tilts in that direction. If you said like, Brighton, I would accept that as a reasonable place to go. Yeah, Brighton, Reading, they Bright- are yeah, properly... Exactly. A, whereas I think like the interesting edge cases are places like Staines in London, are places like Crawley in London. Crawley, I think, is not. I mean, Crawley... Staines is part of the urban area. It's like yeah. it falls just outside the boundary. But yeah, it's still kind of that. Crawley is a weird one because it's... Firstly, it's ba- even though it's not quite the M25, it is basically one of that ring of towns mm. around London that only sort of work as as commuter suburbs. But it's also next to London's second airport and does quite well off the back of that. Like it's well, actually, this is a weird thing. I've never quite understood why the government puts so much effort into trying to win this this doomed battle to expand Heathrow or against the will of anyone who lives anywhere close to Heathrow. Whereas Crawley would actually be quite up for a bigger Gatwick airport. Just, I mean, never mind the sort of practicality of it from a political point of view. Oh, you're going to get an angry email from that Gatwick campaign. Uh, I don't like them because they, they used to they used to spend money literally everywhere and they wouldn't give City Metric any. I started writing stuff deliberately attempting to troll them about what a terrible airport Gatwick was just to try and nudge them into giving us any money. And we never saw a penny. So corruption doesn't work. No, no, it turns out it bloody well doesn't. It's really annoying. Well, I mean, so I think... So, like, of Staines, Staines counts. Uh, partly it counts because uh, for about a year when I was at university... Well, obviously for longer than that, but for a year when I was at university, my mum was a priest uh, near there, and I, I liked And If it's in London, it means I have never really left London. Um, and also it counts because you can fall asleep on a night bus in Hounslow and end up in Staines. And that, to me, is the the frontier right if you could if your oyster can take you to and away from somewhere it is in london i do you think there was i think historically there has been a bias towards west london over east so and as one of the many street atlases i had as a child because let's face it i'm me and i was the kind of kid who used to get punched outside goodyear park station on the eve of his 16th birthday I had a street oh, atlas no, which, had, um, which, had an, uh, which had which which a map of the London urban area, except it wasn't a map of the London urban area. In the west, it went all the way to like Hillingdon, but in the east, it stopped dead at Woolwich and cut off like you know Barking and Hayward. How can you and stop Bromley. at Woolwich? I mean, that isn't even arguable. That's not even an acceptable frontier. No, I, but I, I think there has historically been that thing where people, and I think you can see it in like 
I mean, you've, you've, you've talked a lot about Hillingdon, but I kind of think most people in Hillingdon would probably think of it as outer London because it's Middlesex, which isn't a county that really has an identity of its own anymore. It just got swallowed by London. Whereas in the, in the east, the Essex and Kent identities are still there and going strongly. So there are these lunatics at councils like Barking and Havering and Bexley who like say, well, actually, we're still part of whatever we used to be. Yes. No, I, I think it, it is true that the the kind of borders of London do have a slight southwesterly sort of slouch. Because that's where the posh people live. That's where the posh people live. Also, I mean, like, is this true? There's something about the earth which makes it easier and harder to have a tube line in certain places. Oh, I thought you were going to go in a completely different direction there. I thought you were going to, there was going to be some line about London literally slipping in one direction. I was looking very confused. Um, there are many reasons why the tube uh, goes much further north than south, of which I believe the, the, the clay it's built on, I think, is part of it. But also some of it was simply uh, geography. If you were kind of building a railway line north of London... You could take it to Yorkshire or Manchester or Aberdeen. You had all these options. Whereas if you're going south of London, there's not really that much of the country there before you kind of, you know, fall in the sea. So to build a viable business, you kind of had to surf the suburbs of overground trains. So also just like South London's rail network has always been rather more extensive than North London's rail network. And so the tube kind of had more gaps to fill to the north. Right, okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think it's partly because of the poshness. It's also, I imagine, partly because of, like, what what does Hillingdon fill with? Well, it's the kind of first-slash-last coach station for a lot of coaches going out of London. And again, that kind of gives it a London-facing mm-hmm. identity. This will be an interesting thing. You know, obviously, at the moment, the government is not doing anything particularly useful to fix the housing crisis other than making it easier to commute to London from further away. The fascinating thing is you have a lot of people living in Reading who are, think of themselves as Londoners, don't really want to have moved away from, from London, and I imagine in many cases spend quite a large chunk of their weekends and evenings in London. If we then sort of get rid of some Greenbelt stuff, do you then actually end up with a situation, does Reading become more London? Well, I mean, this is the question is whether... Beyond a certain size, you can have an urban area that it doesn't matter it's a single urban area or even a single metropolitan area. Does it stop functioning as something you can recognise as a single city? Because, I mean, if you look at that kind of the... the cor- that bigger, Maybe the real London was the conurbations we made along the way. I'm just going to ignore that. That's like... I'm not going to laugh at this shit after you just, like, <laughs> refuse to laugh at my getting punched story. But, but like, if you kind of look at that that northeastern United States corridor where like they all kind of bump into each other from from Boston all the way down to to Washington it, it's not quite a single conurbation but it's not really Baltimore and Washington is probably the best example where they really do kind of merge into each other but at the same time they're still two clearly different cities mm. or like Liverpool and Manchester up in the north where like if they it would be quite easy to kind of fill the gap between those two but I don't think they'll ever sort of start functioning as a single city so it's not Urban areas are kind of the easiest thing to draw a line round on a map, but at the same time, like to function as a city, there's clearly got to be something else to it than just like concrete. No, I think, I think the test of whether or not somewhere is in a city is what if you arrived from another planet or in the TARDIS, 
grabbed the nearest passerby and went, excuse me, where am I? Where would they say they are? And that, of course, is the havering problem, as it were. But then you come down to matters of perception. And actually there are... I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I think actually you're kind of right to an extent. But I think the problem is that's not the only way of defining things. And you get this problem where identity, matter of identity, and matters of administrative convenience often clash. So you get this in how we define cities and city regions. You get this in Brexit and so on. And sometimes... From a governmental point of view, it makes more sense to be going with, you know, functional economic area rather than, oh, actually, we've paid quite a lot of money, so we're going to think of ourselves as living in Surrey now. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's true. That's interesting. I haven't thought about the fact that actually, like, London doesn't... The kind of phenomena of, like, oh, I live in Highgate borders seems to have vanished. But ultimately, I have to, you know, to reopen that argument about what is South London. What I think a lot of people who were not are not from London originally did not quite understand about my piece about growing up in the city is that if you are from London, there are two directions. It might be east and not east. Yeah, it might be east and west. It might be west and somewhere. It might be north and south. But broadly, actually, it's just like, well, it's either here or it's not here. It's like Romans and barbarians. None of this really explains how it was that you came to believe that Chelsea was in South London. It is a club where most of its supporters are from South London. But you, that's not actually what you wrote, though. You, yeah, but you I expect you, the sub to fix that kind of thing. But Chelsea's not in South... It's just not. It's just like, this is whole... It originates from South London, right? Like, when, when Chelsea arrive at wherever it is then West Ham got the taxpayer to give them you know another football team that originates from South London no you know the one that started in Woolwich where the mm. Arsenal was yeah no not not ringing any bells So I'm deeply concerned about Twice Upon a Time. Okay, why? Um, a couple of things. One, Moffat has not done, has done, I would say, two good Christmas episodes. Husbands of River Song and Christmas Carol. Mm, I, I like Last Christmas a great deal. And also The Return of Doctor Mysterio is quite good. Yeah, my, yeah I just don't. I think like, Doctor Mysterio was a fun romp, right? But my fear, basically, with, um, with Twice Upon a Time is one that... They only did it because Chibnall weirdly was oddly relaxed about the possibility that they might not get the slot back if they didn't do one. This that year. is a concern, but not for the Christmas special, more for the rest of the franchise. Oh yeah, I mean that 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 is yeah, yeah that that's another thing I am. Yeah, like, yeah. This Quick, quickly, what's your other concern? Just because we've, 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 we've someone's going to be here in a minute. I'm actually. worried they're going to over elaborate uh, Bill's return and either mess up and then mess up her actually I thought very effective and affecting exit. Yeah, I see the danger. But at the same time, I kind of like the fact that they made the character so great that, like, they could play it as Anne Pearl Mackie in the trailer and you were really genuinely excited she was coming back. I think that was kind of, that's quite a nice achievement. It is. And I do hope that all of this stuff where, like, she said at Comic-Con, oh, I'm not coming back, is a a bait and switch. Because I think it's always better when there's a a holdover companion. Hmm... Feel very differently about that one, but anyway, we should probably talk about something more important. 
Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com